The Kyrie effect has officially hit the Mavs. LeBron returns, but Pat Bev thinks he's too small. And Bradley Beal doesn't care about your parlay. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I've got the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you doing, my man? Feeling good. Feeling great. What about you guys? I'm good, man. Can't complain. John, how are you? I'm nervous. Playoffs are almost here, and man, I don't know if my team's going to make it, but hoping and praying. Good to be here. Nice, nice. Well, let's get started with some quick news. So, Shams on The Athletic just reported that the Portland Trail Blazers are going to shut down Dame for the rest of the season. This was in question for a couple of days, maybe a week or so. And Sammy, I don't think it's about the injury. I think it's because they're just out of the play-in. About four and a half, five games um, to the 10th seed. And of course, once you hear about Dame in the news and being shut down, trading rumors pops up. So we'll see what happens. But unless Dame requests for a trade, I don't see him leaving Portland. All right, we will Kevin see. Durant, Kevin Durant is expected to make his return from his ankle injury versus the Timberwolves. And man, I don't know if it can come at a better time. The Suns are currently in the fourth seed, but they are also only three and a half games out of being completely out of the plan. And so they need their guy back, star Kevin Durant. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, how he, how he uh, comes back from this injury. Right, let's hope he gets through the warm-up this time. No disrespect intended, just speaking <laughs> some facts here. And another interesting piece of news, we've got two weeks left in the regular season and 26 teams mathematically are still alive, which I don't know if it's a record this late in the year, but it's got to be close to one. The only teams that are out, Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. Like we said, some other teams might be trying harder than others, but still, it's going to be a crazy finish, particularly out west, where we've still got plenty of teams in contention for the plan. So we'll see what happens. That being said, we're going to go into our first major topic for the day. Speaking of one of those teams currently actually out of the play-in, the Dallas Mavericks, who have just been a mess lately. In a recent game, Kyrie got a fan kicked out of the arena for saying something. We didn't catch the details of what, but you could just see that he wasn't happy. Uh, Luca, in a post-game press conference recently, said, quote, yeah, it's really frustrating. I think you can see it with me on the court. Sometimes I don't feel it's me. I'm just being out there. I used to have fun smiling on the court, but it's just been frustrating. Also reference that he's got some off-the-court stuff going on as well. So we've seen Kyrie there now for almost seven, eight weeks. This team is currently 11th. They are a half game out of the final plan. What do you guys see as the future for the Mavs end of this year? What's their ceiling and what does that mean for potentially the future years of this team? I'll start with JJ. Oh man, Sammy and John does not look good for Luka, Kyrie and company. You lose back-to-back must-win games against the Hornets. Uh, You know, Bill Simmons said the first game that could be described as a fluke, but when you lose the second, could only blame yourself um they've lost four straight games until last night and then you look at their record the past 11 games and you see that they've lost seven of their last 11 so since the Kyrie trade john they've been seven and 13 which isn't good um and it just all comes down to what you've been preaching man which is the fit with luca it's not the offense it's the defense 
And they gave up so much depth, especially the rebounds, the middle, uh, the middle of the key defense. And you just see it. People just eat up the center of the key, and they get what they want in the middle. You have Luca that complains on defense. You have Kyrie who just, you know, he's not always gonna try, and it's just a mess. And it just makes you think, what's gonna happen this summer? I don't feel really optimistic about this team. You and Sammy kept preaching about this trade not going to work, and now everyone's seeing it on paper and on TV. Yeah, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> and I mean, they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, and those are good role players, and particularly Dorian Finney-Smith, right? He's a three and D guy. But again, trading for Kyrie, who is ball dominant, Luca was Luca Magic, but he can, maybe we can call him Luca Tragic moving forward. I don't know. He's there's a lot, and I don't want to listen. I don't want to talk down or. or belittle his off-the-court issues because they may be serious whatever he's going through but ultimately I think you know where all of our minds are probably going is his off-the-court issues are Kyrie Irving and even if that's not true we're probably still going to think that way that's just how the media is going to perceive it and that's how fans and people are going to perceive it that's just how the nature of the game right especially with, with with such a polarizing figure like Kyrie Irving but I don't like it, man. I don't like the Mavs. I don't like their attitude. I don't like the way that they're playing. And, and again, like you guys said, and like how everybody is saying, their defense is terrible, non-existent. And that's a problem, right? I mean, you're not going to go very far. You can win some games. They may make the play on the play in just because, you know, the Thunder, um, they may fall out. The Pelicans have a rough six games coming up, the last six games. And so the Mavs could, you know, I won't be surprised if they make the play in, but if anybody thinks that they're going to do any damage or, or make any noise in the playoffs, I don't, I don't see it. I think that's a near impossibility at this point. And for their future, to answer that question, Sammy, I don't know, man. I, I like, it, is it? I mean, do we think that Kyrie Irving, Irving is going to stay in Dallas? I know they were talking about that, and maybe if they offer him the max, but why would the Mavericks want to do that? Maybe Mark Cuban would. I mean, he hasn't made some some of the best decisions lately but mm -hmm. Ky I don't know if like Kyrie would be worth the max to me if he was the right fit on the right team where they can have where they were can cover his deficiencies and that's what he was in Cleveland but he was also a lot younger in Cleveland too and he also had arguably the greatest player playing next to him so I don't like the Mavs the way they are constructed currently and honestly I don't like their future either because they're gonna have to make some rough decisions um, and I just don't, I think they're caught between a rock and a hard place, Sammy. I don't know. What do you think? I'm with you. And I mean, I did a little bit of like a slightly deeper look into the, the games with Kyrie and it's even worse than seven and 13. So just to throw some other stuff at you both. First two games without Luka in the lineup was when Kyrie was brought in. Luka had uh, like a minor injury at the time. They actually won the first two against the Clippers and the Kings. Since then, They've beaten exactly one team with a record over 500. Wow. In addition to that, they've given up less than 110 points a total of three times wow. since they brought him in. Mm -hmm. So this team can't stop anybody. They can't beat anybody, apparently, who is going to be in the playoffs. The interior defense looks terrible. The perimeter defense looks even worse. How, I mean... If they get to the play-in, you almost have to give them a shot just because of Lucas' star power in one game. They could beat anybody because he could easily pull 50, uh, 50 spot. 
but how can you like them against anybody in a best of seven? So clearly, barring a miracle playoff turnaround, you have to put this trade down as a failure. The one good thing it did for them was clear their books a little bit. But John, going back to what you said, the reason that matters is because if you really look at this team over the last six, seven years, the roster construction has not been great at all. For their methodology, I'll give them this. I didn't mind the Porzingis trade at the time, just didn't work out, partially because of the way Luka plays with the ball, but also just because obviously Porzingis can't stay healthy. But you look at the contracts around that. Cleveland makes good money, Hardaway makes a lot of money. Um, I think Dwight Powell makes pretty good money. They kept overpaying all these role players to keep them, and they were never able to land a truly impactful external free agent. And clearly, that put them in this position where maybe a second motive for the Kyrie trade was, well, if this doesn't work out, let's clear the books. But now you're deprived of assets. You don't really have a lot attracting other players to the team outside of Luka. And then there's this also a little bit of underbuzz of, do you really want to play with Luka because he is so ball dominant? So I'm, I'm with you. I don't like how this looks. There is a scenario I could see in the next couple of years where Luka finally asks out. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I don't consider it an improbability at this point with the way this is going. So it's, it's just weird too, man. Yeah. Because you have the Mavs. When we talk about the roster construction, Sammy, that they were known for their defense last year. Right. Top five defense. And then... You took away your strongest characteristic in your team. Mm-hmm. The one characteristic that we've always said wins championships. The one thing that you beat the best, considered the best offensive team last year in the Suns. And you took that away from your team. That's right. And like, when you talk about roster construction and John, you mentioned about like their decision making, like it's weird because I've said this over and over again. Isn't it like super weird that the Mavericks can't pull anyone in free agency and it's Dallas and it's in Texas where like you no see state the tax, no right. state tax. And like you would have, it's weird. That, it's just weird. Like, is it, mm-hmm. is it Mark Cuban? Right. And the organization think, has also had some allegations against them too. We don't know if this stuff is playing into it. Sorry, John, go ahead. I think part of it is Mark Cuban too. And the decision-making, I mean, it, it, obviously hindsight is 2020, but it, I think, based on how this guy's playing this year, they should have probably offered Jalen Brunson a contract that everyone yes. thought was way too large at the time. But mm-hmm. he's balling, man. He mm-hmm. he propelled the Knicks to a much better team that they were last right. year. And also, I guess my question for you guys about the Mavericks is, how much do you, do you put this on Jason Kidd too? And I know the roster construction isn't great, but do you think Jason Kidd deserves some of the blame here? I think a little bit, but I will say... He would you both agree with me at this point? He's known as a defensive coach more so than anything else. That seems to be the reputation he's established. Would you agree or would you disagree yeah. with that? He's a defensive coach. He made okay, the, so, the Bucks a defensive team. Okay, so if we say that, then going back to exactly what you talked about, JJ, why would you take the team's best asset away from their coach? Because now you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to change coaches now because you've committed to this road. Unless when Kyrie leaves, you try to go back to what you had before. So, yeah. do I play some blame on Kid? Maybe a little bit, but I think this goes above him. I think this is purely general management, in my opinion. But I, but I also think that I watch some of their games. I mean, I, they don't. He doesn't really play Dwight Powell as much, or even Javale McGee. I mean, those are anchors and rim protectors. I know Javale McGee can, you know, make questionable decisions, and you can thank Shaq King a fool for messing up my perception of him completely, but. 
you know, those guys are big, they're tall, they're lanky, and they could they could provide some defensive, um, you know, the, uh, be anchors in the paint. And I don't see them playing that much. So some things that you know, and you but you can complain about any coach. So, but I agree with you. I think a lot of it is the roster construction, mm-hmm. some of the um, decisions they're making from a from a um, personal perspective. Gotcha. All right, well, that being said, we'll see what happens with this team. Um, purely for the sake of entertainment, I like seeing the big stars at least, if not in the playoffs, at least the plan. So I'm kind of hoping they sneak in, but it's not looking good right now. But, anyway, but with that, we're going to move to the next topic. So the L.A. Lakers got LeBron back after missing 13 games with a foot injury. Came back last Sunday against the Patrick Beverly-led Chicago Bulls, and we'll get into that <laughs> momentarily. And... It was uh, revealed that he actually tore a tendon in his foot. And according to LeBron, he went to two initial doctors who said he should have season-ending surgery. And then he, quote, went to the LeBron James of feet, who told him he should not. Came back, played 30 minutes, scored 19. Didn't look quite as explosive as normal, but you, you got to give him a little time to get back. He still looked very good. Uh, Lakers did lose that game kind of convincingly, though. So just... Quick shots here. How did LeBron look to you guys? Do you think he is going to be at full strength any point for the rest of the year? John, why don't you start us off here? I I think the I think he looked okay. You know, I mean, scoring 19 points at face value, 19 points, six of 11, eight rebounds, and three assists. Coming back from an injury, not playing for two or three weeks or three weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best you can ask for stat-wise. I think I would have to look back because I didn't, I wasn't able to watch a lot of the game, a lot of this game. I saw the highlights, but I, I would, I'm particularly interested in how he did defensively, right? And I know that the, the Bulls put up a lot of points on us. And one of the things that, that happens as you get older, right, as you become, uh, you have a lot of mileage on your feet and on your legs is that your defense is probably the first thing to go, right? Lateral movement and quickness and keeping and staying in front of your defend, uh, your offensive player are typically the first to go. And, and those show because LeBron is going to be an, he's an all world player, one of the best, if not the best, arguably. And so his stats are always going to be there, right? They're just going to be otherworldly. But again, I think the thing that I'm more interested in is the things that you don't see on the stat sheet and how that affects not only individual performance, but but as a team. And that's mostly on the defensive end. So I would like to see that more of how we, and and really kind of how he fits with D'Angelo Russell more. They haven't played a lot together. D'Angelo Russell's been injured quite a bit. Um, so I think getting them, the three the three bigs, the three big uh, guys, or the three key players on our team, to see how they play together and then how they fit around all of the role players. But ultimately, to answer your question, to go back, yeah, I think he played pretty well for his first game back. Um, but again, feet injury, feet injuries are tricky, man. So we'll see how how he, how that ends up being. And don't get me started on Patrick Beverly; it just makes me angry. <laughs> so I will I will def- I will uh, defer to you guys to, to keep the, the topic going. Hell right. no. JJ, your thoughts? Exactly. Hell no. <laughs> the one thing I didn't really look for the the actual gameplay of LeBron James, Sammy. I thought what what was interesting is that. LeBron James played actually uh, played 30 minutes mm-hmm. and coming back from an injury where the majority of the NBA fans thought he wouldn't even come back, you know, until playoffs, to be frank. But to come back and play 30 minutes um, just showed you one, this dude's 
body um, he just heals he differently. Different. And he called him, he even said, like, uh, I went to a doctor and he was a LeBron James of feet. <laughs> like a self proclaimed king, also saying that uh, he's a self proclaimed uh, master of medicine as well, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, I thought that it was a good sign that he played so many minutes for a very meaningful game. And just shows you that the Lakers are desperate to win, as any team should be at this point of the season. But two, that they have confidence in LeBron James playing that much time. I agree with that. The minutes was interesting to me, too. It did make me wonder of one thing. So this was only the second time in LeBron's career that he came off the bench. Mm -hmm. The only other time, actually, just as a tangent was when he requested him when he was much younger because Anderson Veraja was in a contract dispute and he didn't want him to get booed. So he came off the bench the same time he did back in, I want to say it was 08. But anyway, um, if you're going to bring him off the bench, why then play him 30 minutes? Because to me, you might as well start him and stagger your rotations normally. I might also have a bad taste in my mouth from this because the Clippers tried this with Kawhi in the beginning of the year and it just went horribly. It threw off the rhythm of the rest of the starters because... A player of that magnitude, of a LeBron, of a Kawhi, is going to obviously, the offense is going to center on that, that player. So when you do that, I feel like it, it messes with the team's... Chemistry well, is the wrong word, but just the, the flow of the offense and the flow of the game. I, I think it's because the Lakers had won three before he came back three okay. in a row. Gotcha. And with that starting lineup, so they, I think in their minds they were thinking, hey, let's roll with the starting lineup that won us three in a row and I then bring LeBron and see if, the, if we could still keep it clicking. But yes, okay, I, I, get I you. think they've learned their lesson. They probably should play their best players in the starting lineup regardless of... He would be a hell of a sixth man, I'll say that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that being said, I, I was pretty impressed that he managed to step right in and play 30. And like you guys said, dude's just different. I mean, he until the last few years, he has by far been the most durable player. Uh, by the end of this year, he's going to have the second most minutes played in the NBA all time behind only uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But we are also seeing that the last four years, he's missed 20 plus games a year. So I'm curious. I know he's never done this in the past, but if they have any more back-to-backs, are they going to sit him or rest him a little bit as a precaution, how they're going to treat it. But at the same time, I believe they're the 10 seed right now and they're in danger of missing the plan. So on some level, you have to just let him run. So we'll see what happens, man. And related to that, so Pat Bev was was talking like Pat Bev before this game about how he wanted to ruin the Lakers' playoff hopes, you about lose. how poorly he was treated when he was there. You lose. So came out, was, was his normal self, and then at the end of the game, hit a little hook shot over LeBron and then lowered his hand toward the ground, said LeBron was too small, smiling at him while he did it and then later held up his nose to say that the, the Lakers stink. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, you can't help but laugh. Um, I, I just wanted to describe the scene. Do you guys have any thoughts on Pat Bev? John, I know you said you didn't want to talk about it, but it's funny, so I had to bring it up. Anything no, you guys want to add about I'm this whole it. scenario? Go ahead, GJ. I'll let you go first. <laughs> I think it's funny because uh, he should keep that energy. But you gotta. I just don't like when people just start talking smack while they're winning. Like you gotta, like that's some Devin Booker, like nerd stuff right there. You gotta have that energy since the beginning, before the game as well. 
But uh, keep it up, man. I like the drama. Winner's work, JJ. Winner's work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm totally. I, I think it's funny, honestly. I was it, it, like it, it upsets me in the moment because obviously the Lakers are losing or they lost. But when I think back on it and, and watch the clip, I think it's actually kind of funny. It's comical to me. And you know, I would love to see Pat Bev in the playoffs, but we all know there's zero negative. 1% chance that the Chicago Bulls are making it to the finals and the Lakers are probably at maybe 10 to 20% of making the finals if that so they're never going to see each other in the playoffs so it doesn't really matter but they are playing again tomorrow so more Pat Bev clown show for you guys part two yeah the Lakers need to win that game tomorrow because if they don't we will <laughs> not hear we will not stop hearing from Pat Beverly until Maybe the end of his season's career, or whenever over. that is. Yeah, I, I think it goes well beyond the season. So that'll be an interesting uh, rematch, and I guess we'll see what happens. But now we're going to go to a word from our sponsor. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only off DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, and we're back. And with our next topic, what is the deal with Bradley Beal? So, if you haven't heard this one, TMZ reported that Bradley Beal is under police investigation for battery after he was involved with a, in a confrontation with some hecklers following a game last week. So, long story short, fans started heckling at him about gambling, apparently, when he was walking down the locker room and a, a uh, spectator in this group yelled at Beal, quote, You effed me out of 1300 UF. Beal then turned, walked toward the fans, and knocked the hat off one of the guy's heads. And he went back and forth with Beal saying it was disrespectful. Beal then said, I don't give a F about none of your bets or parlays, bro. That ain't why I play the game. As a gambling aficionado, I am a little disappointed that he doesn't care about my parlay. But overall, I found this whole story pretty funny. What did you guys think of it? <laughs> Well, uh, I, th I, th I think like it's just funny to me right if you saw Bradley Beal on the street or outside of an arena where you know that there's security guards and protection for you as a fan would you say the same thing if you just saw Bradley Beal walking on the street by himself and it was just you do you think that kid would say this or this fan would say that not even a little bit not. No, he would get probably knocked out or something would happen. I don't know. I mean, like these fans, man, are just the level of um, entitlement that they have. Some of these fans, it, it, to me, it's like it's crazy. And I look like Sammy, like you said, I like gambling. I'm going to just throw that out there. And I've lost quite a bit of money. I understand the frustration of losing a lot of money, especially when it's something that you know, it's kind of beyond your control, but the, ultimately that's your, 
decision to gamble, to bet. And you have to deal with the repercussions. If something doesn't go your way for whatever reason, because of a player doesn't make a free throw that he should make, or does, or takes a shot that doesn't matter because the game's over and the spread isn't covered, that's part of it. That's part of gambling. And you, there's no reason why you need to go at Beal like this. That's like ridiculous to me. So I think Beal had every right to go to the fan and tell the fan to shut the fudge up. So I'm 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 Team Beal on this one, guys. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm totally Team Beal, John. Like, dude, you're gonna blame um, Bradley Beal because you lost your your money. You should blame yourself that you you're you're a degenerate gambler, and your wife left you. Don't judge us. Um. <laughs> you know, and like. <laughs> Well, like exactly what you're saying. You you okay? You want to talk smack to the six four, two hundred pound NBA player? And no other situation you would do this. So exactly. it's the kind of right. kind of like a hold me back moment. The unfortunate. It, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no go, I was go, going go, to sorry. say the unfortunate part about living in America is that you have these idiots that even if you hit the hat off their head. They could say it's assault. That's how weak they are. So, uh, congrats to this punk for trying to make news for himself, even though it's his fault. But I'm on Team Beal. Exactly. And sorry, Sammy, before we throw it to you. No, and ahead. if you bet on the Washington Wizards in any capacity, <laughs> you deserve to lose all your money. Yes. Damn. I wonder I lost. But uh, no, nah, I'm with you guys too. And like we talked about, on some level, we've all probably done some gambling. And part of that is knowing that there is a very good chance that you're going to lose your money. That is the industry. And when you do, the way to get it back is not by yelling at the player. So the whole thing is just ridiculous. Like, you got to know what you're getting yourself into. You're taking a shot. And I don't know if this plays into it, but most NBA players, most athletes in general make far more money than the average fan. I find $1,300 a lot of money. I don't think Bradley Beal probably finds $1,300 to be too much because I think he makes $50 million a year. <laughs> so saying that to him, not quite going to have the impact you think it's going to have. I'm just just saying. So, Sammy, if, I'm just going to say like what John was saying. If you bet $1,300 on a parlay with Bradley Beal or the Wizards, you were meant to lose. I'm not Who are the Wizards playing? Who are the Wizards? Was it a, was it a parlay know. with was it a parlay on Beal or on the team? We don't know. That's the thing. Okay. Could have been anything. But no disrespect. Ne ne next time, the only advice I can give this fan is whatever it was, take the under. And with <laughs> that, let's go ahead and move on. So yesterday, and for uh, just for everyone's knowledge, we're recording this Tuesday night. Yesterday, we were supposed to have an MVP battle between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And earlier in the day, Embiid was surprisingly scratched. Uh, and then, as a tangent, James Harden actually ended up not playing as well, which turned this big matchup into a bit of a dud. Fans were complaining because it was a, basically a rest day for Embiid, and he had played in a back-to-back, -back, I believe, a couple games prior. Mm -hmm. So the, the decision made, whoever made it, to not rest him in one of those games and then to sit him in this one was largely viewed pretty disappointingly by the entire NBA community. Mostly the fans, obviously. No one in the front office is going to say anything about this. 
and as expected, given how shorthanded the Sixers were, the Nuggets did win. Denver fans took uh, some pleasure in this. I saw a couple fans show up with milk cartons with pictures of Joel Embiid on the side asking where he was and that he was missing. Then the next day, all the major gambling outlets changed the odds. Uh, MVP was skewed to Embiid, I want to say as high as minus 250, which is a pretty significant favorite. And by the end of the following day, which was this morning, I believe, or late last night, one or the other, all the odds were even, either even on both of them or Jokic was a slight favorite again. So, obviously a lot of, lot of uh, kind of a backlash effect in this game. Per- Kendrick Perkins came out and said that Embiid was, quote, ducking that smoke, can't sit out this game, and that he has a vote for MVP and he's going to remember that he sat. Yo, so, Luke. what do you guys think? Did this affect the MVP race and who is your MVP as of now? <laughs> Oh, man. I know that uh, Jokic has a lot of the advanced stats. So the one thing that Embiid has going for him is that he's leading the league in points. Um, his average is at 33.3. And out of the last 35 years in the NBA, only James Harden, Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan has had that threshold of above 33 points. So that's major props for Embiid. Um Jokic, he's about averaging, what, 25 points, but there are things that we don't notice about Jokic. Embiid has a defensive upper hand over Jokic, so I'll give Embiid that. But uh, the story, what it comes down to is, uh, dude, probably the one night that everyone was looking forward to, you go into Denver, you could showcase your skills, especially that big story on Friday night telling Draymond that I wanted to... I wanted to make sure you remember me about the Jokic MVP disrespect. The one player you should have played against or the team you should have played against was Denver and he didn't come out. I mean, supposedly he had calf uh, soreness on March 22nd. And then over the weekend on the back-to-back against the Warriors and Suns, he had 70 combined minutes. I didn't think it was out of the realm that he could have played against Jokic and... He's been pretty uh, outspoken about this, John, for the past, what, two or three seasons about not getting the MVP. And now he has the narrative of, I don't care about it now. All right, man, if you don't care about it, maybe we'll give it to Jokic again. What do you think, man? Yeah, I... Personally, I don't think it should... I don't think it should determine one game should not determine who would get the MVP. I don't think it should. Mm-hmm. But but that said, I do think it's going to play a factor in actually how it's going to be given because there's recency bias that is obviously highlighted. It's going to be remembered because it happened so close to the end of the season. It is such a close race, so they're going to find things to as the differentiator as the deciding factor and this is going to be one of those things and so while i still think that the race is going to be very close and i think the counts the votes are going to be very close i do think there's a high possibility that Jokic is going to edge this one out and there's also that now that um that novelty of hey Jokic is going for his third mvp which is something that hasn't been done since larry bird and I'm not comparing Larry Bird to Jokic. I don't think anybody would. Larry Bird is a legend, arguably one of the top five players of all time. And so 
but again, this is one of those things that doesn't happen that often. And I think they're good there if they can find a reason to do it. Because I think Joel Embiid, for a period of time, for the last three weeks, was the runaway. He was playing like insane. He was playing like something we've never seen before. For a guy his size, with his mobility, his speed, his defense, just he was the MVP of the league. And if he had just played this, even if he lost, I think even if he put up great numbers in this game, that would have been better than just sitting out. I think from a, you know, from an optics perspective. And so, yeah, man, if I had to guess, if I, if somebody put me up to it and said, hey, you have to make a choice, I think I would go with Jokic. Gotcha. And I mostly am pretty much full agreement with what you just said. I, I do think one game should not matter, but what we have to remember is that these voters are people too. Even if they're in the media and they're supposed to be unbiased, they remember stuff like this. Everyone was looking forward to this game. Perkins outright said basically that he's going to vote for Jokic. So <laughs> I, I think that this game cost and beat MVP, which is sad, man, because I'm with you. I, uh, I think he had been playing at an MVP level for a while, and barring him doing something like averaging 40 a game for the rest of the season or something at that level, I think this game did cost him the MVP. Uh, on a related note, and I love Jokic's game, I do think he's such a unique, talented player. If he does win three in a row, and you look at that historically, I don't mean this as an insult toward him, but I just don't feel like he is one of those players that you would put up there and say, no. this is one of the top five to 10 players of all time. Cause that's the kind of player that wins three MVPs in a row. It doesn't happen. John, you referenced it. Yeah. So looking at that in the record book, 20, 30 years from now, you already know that's going to be this crazy debated topic of how did he win three in a row? And I don't think 20 years from now, we're going to remember, Oh, Embiid set out one game. It happened to be against Jokic, and that's why he didn't win the MVP. So, it's a yeah, weird scenario, I man. Man, I don't really like... This is just me personally, but I don't put much stock into the MVP. And, you know, and obviously I'm going to have bias here, but the reality for me is like... And look, I know Kobe wasn't the best. He wasn't like, oh, you know, somebody who could distribute the ball or make his teammates way better. But when we're talking about the most valuable for their team, I mean, if Kobe didn't do what he did when when after Shaq left the Lakers would have won like nine games and they made the playoffs like back-to-back -back years and for me that's like if you're talking about value that goes up there and the fact that he only won one MVP to me is actually kind of crazy being one of the top 10 players of all time so for me MVP is like I don't put much weight into it and I agree with you Sammy I don't like nobody and, and that's what I mentioned when I mentioned Larry Bird I'm like Larry Bird is a legendary player. He's underrated, in my opinion. People do not give him the credit that he deserves, actually, um, in the echelon and the Mount Rushmore of players. And that's the type of player that you would see winning three MVPs, not mm -hmm. someone like Jokic. No discredit to him. He's a great player, but he's not top to bottom, not going to be a top 10 player of all time, unless he wins four rings, which doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Right. If he wins three in a row, guys, I think, this is gonna i would hope that they push the voting till at least the second round of the playoffs because we all know this is a regular season award but there have been times where it's like it's regular season man why don't we wait until the playoffs start and count 
the stats when it really matters. Like D Wade 2006 playoff run, right? You have all these magical like players that really balled out. Like they were good during the regular season, and then they were true MVPs during the postseason. I don't know. I I think that's the the way it should be. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we'll see if this does. If this is a moot point at the end and somehow Embiid does win it, but definitely not a good look. And so with that, we're going to move on to our last topic in a uh, announcement that made Clipper fans very happy in general. No offense to, to Marcus Morris. Nicholas no Batum has been announced by, uh, by coach Ty Lu to be the starting power forward for the remainder of the season. In addition to that, Robert Covington is expected to take over a lot of Batoon's minutes uh, as the backup uh, small ball center and backup forward. So on the surface, it sounds like Marcus Morris might be out of the rotation. Coming off of that, Batum immediately went eight for nine from three against the Bulls and the Clippers won in a runaway on Monday night. So Obviously, the bigger issue with the Clippers is Paul George's injury. But if he does get back in three weeks, what do you guys think of this change? And does it improve uh, Clippers' playoff hopes going forward? Well, Sammy, I think you need to start getting your preparing for a parade on Figueroa because straight up, Marcus Morris is no longer playing. He was a to me, he was like a double, triple net negative. If you ask me, he was like the worst plus minus I think I've ever seen on any team. Okay, I'm obviously being dramatic, but I mean, like, over I'm over exaggerating, but he was bad, man. And I, I, and this is from an outsider. I mean, I watch some of the games that are nationally televised. I can't watch any other local games, but some some of the highlights. I mean, and going on Reddit, I'm an avid Reddit user, and I and listen, I know some of the fans on there. A lot of the fans there are pretty dumb. They don't really know basketball, but they're entertaining. But some of them do, and a, and a lot of them know that Marcus Morris is not a good player right now, and he hasn't been for a few, maybe a year, or maybe even longer than that. But he's not. He doesn't make threes. He gets lost on defense. He's not very athletic. He just. I don't know, man. I think he's definitely the odd man out, and I, I'm glad Tyloo finally saw it. And I think what was kept holding him back is either some incriminating photos. Or the fact that they're paying him all of this money and they feel like they have to play him because they're paying him such a large contract for someone, you know, getting overpaid for someone of his caliber and the way he's performing. But good for the Clippers. And I hate saying that, but it is good for the Clippers. I think it's crazy, Sammy, that uh, this season Marcus Morris started 65 games. Mm -hmm. And then with his tenure with the... With the Clippers out of the 156 games that he could he could have played with the Clippers, he started 155. So the one game he did not start. Within those uh, games, he averaged about 11 points. And Tyloo told the media over and over, like, I don't care about his stats. It's what fits us. It's what fits our team. And I like this fit. I'm sorry, Tyloo, but uh, you're the only one that saw the fit. I don't think the fans, the hardcore fans like Sammy, I don't think the casual fans of the NBA like John and myself saw what you saw. But hey, man, good for you. You see the good in everyone, including Morris. <laughs> Morris. Well, JJ, you know, if it doesn't fit, 
he must have quit. <laughs> and it was just wasn't working anymore, man. And the thing about it for me and the biggest difference, I think the reason Clippers fans in general tend to really love Nick Batum. Big reason is because Morris, if you watch him, just he needs the ball and he's just always had some tunnel vision. The ball tends to go up when he has it. And on a team with Kawhi, with PG, hell, even with Westbrook at this point, you're clearly going to be at best the fourth option in that starting lineup. Westbrook, for all of his faults, is a far better player than Morris. I think that's easy to say. But he's still just, just he's never been a passer. And that's not an insult toward him. It's just part of his game. And the fact that this kept going on and Lou didn't see it, whereas Batum can fit with anybody. He can play any style. He doesn't need the ball. He makes the right play at the right time. He's the perfect kind of player to play around stars. So this was long overdue. Obviously, he's not going to go eight for nine from three every game. But just the fact that he did, it was almost like, okay, if you're not going to keep him in the lineup after that, then there's nothing he can do. And if he is the reason, John, that there is a parade down fig for the Clippers, I might be flying a French flag in my house. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, it's mostly Marcus Morris not playing more than it is Nicholas Batum playing. Either I'll way, we'll that. take it. Uh, but with that, that's actually all we have for today. I want to thank you both for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on. Thank you. Go Lakers. Indeed. And uh, I want to shout out RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor filling in, and a shout out to our host, June. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.